I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to the most haunted city on earth. Oh God, no! No! Uh-uh. No! I said, start start the damn episode. Okay. So, how about when we get to two hundred parajunkies, we do a bloopers reel? Of all of the annoying things that we do before the episodes start. I got it. I got it. All right. No. Okay. Enough. Enough. They didn't come for this. Go. (laughs) I think they did. (laughs) You heard what George said. We're delightful. Delightful. Utterly delightful. Get going. All right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. Oh, and I'm JT Timmons. Sorry, I'm getting the, the questions pulled up because it's a Q&A. QA. Q&A Yay. Saturday. Yes, questions that we shall answer. Ish. Woo-hoo. We'll answer ish. Ish, ish like, uh, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, before we get into today's episode, we do have some para-junkies to thank. And yes, we do. JT, would you like to read those? Absolutely. We would like to thank Devin, Christy Hart, Yvonne Holden, George Gay, Eric Withers, Stephanie, and Kate Wilkerson. Thank Woo! y'all so much. Thank you so Yeehaw. much. Yes, yes. We are growing. We're past 100. It's exciting. We're Now our next goal is to get to 200, and it's going to be wicked fun. Yes. And um, some up, uh, upcoming para-junkie exclusives. JT and I are going up to the North Carolina mountains. Hopefully they don't destroy us again. Yes. Um, like the last time we tried to go should up there. Should be better weather. Yeah, yeah it should. Totally. It's supposed to be nice, but you know what? It's been weird every time we've I gone know. up there. So it's Moon It's been, it's been mm-hmm. horrible. It's Moon Eyed people. Moon-eyed Actually, people. I have a whole theory, and we'll save this for the para junkies mostly, but I'll yeah. give you an insight. It's, uh, it, I have the theory that the uh, land spirits are not happy with the renters that have been up there recently. Oh, sure. So, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Absolutely. We've been, it's been a, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. <laughs> But regardless, we're going to film like four, three or four episodes while we're up there. So it's yeah. going to be pretty fun. Moon-eyed people. Moon-eyed uh, we're going to go investigate people. the really freaking creepy cemetery that's up on mm-hmm. Bear Mountain. Um, maybe we'll do some other ash. Oh, we're doing Helen's Bridge. Yeah, we're doing Helen's Bridge. Uh, which JT which and I have had a paranormal experience yes, already at Helen's Bridge. Nice, so. nice, yeah. yep. nice. All right. So let's go ahead and jump on into the Q&A. This is from Amanda Murphy. Hi, Chris, JT, and Madison. I have many questions. Over the past few months, I have been having the same dream every couple of nights slash weeks to the point where I know what is going to happen and I know how to react in the dream. I often wake up terrified and then I fall back asleep, entering back into the same dream. What is this? Please help me understand. I know that there is something in our house. I can feel it and my kids can feel it too. We are all open about it. For years, I've been sensitive and I know my daughter is as well. I often hear footsteps and know that something is here. 
I'm just not quite sure about what it is. <clears throat> is there a way that my dreams are being brought to me through the entity, uh, through this entity and why they keep happening over and over again? If so, whatever this is, they went through and, and what I am experiencing in the dreams is sadly terrifying. Any insight to this uh, would be amazing. Please help us understand. Amanda Murphy. You know, it is very, very possible that the entity that's in your house is trying to communicate with you through dreams uh, because I never was able to communicate with spirits through dreams like that until I moved into the house we're in right now where I've had multiple entities try to contact me through dreams, um, including the first time it ever happened to me, which was Jim. If you don't know who Jim is, uh, we discussed him a very long time ago probably towards the beginning of this podcast. He's our house spirit. Um, and the way that he first introduced himself, if you will, in an official manner, was basically taking me through his murder um, in my dream, where pretty much uh, he was heinously murdered inside the house in the 50s. They never caught his killers. And uh, basically, I didn't realize that that was what was happening until JT woke me up because I was screaming in my sleep. Um, and I opened my eyes and Jim was standing in the corner of the room. And so basically you might be having these recurring dreams because you're not, they're, you're, they're not getting the reaction that they need from you. Basically what Jim needed from that interaction was he needed me to know what happened basically because everything that he had been doing up until that point completely died down after the dream happened um, because uh, he, you know, when you have a spirit that specifically dies in a really brutal way and there was never justice, sometimes it's cathartic for them to be able to share their experience. And so he, he didn't need to further try to grab my attention afterwards. It might be the same case with this entity and you just might not be picking up on exactly what the purpose is yet. But maybe if you do pick up on the purpose, eventually the activity will kind of die down is my thought process at least. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree that it, it sounds like you might be dealing with a spirit looking for resolution and that resolution might be more than acknowledgement. Um, it could be a, a situation by which they are seeking justice or still mm -hmm. thinking that there could be justice. Um, so there's a lot of variables at play, but in, in some regards, um, the spiritual entities are probably looking for some sign that the communication is working, looking for you to react or interact in a way that allows them to know that you hear them. Um, so, you know, because uh, a lot of times when we have bad dreams and we wake up, we, we, we do a lot to suppress them um, or or they become a point of complaint, um, which may not be the reaction they're hoping for. So uh, the best I can do is to really dive into the dream itself. Right. Uh, dive into the, the moments that you really remember, the ones that really cling to you and attempt to create a narrative that allows the spirits to acknowledge that their message is coming through, mm. you know, uh, because then, then they might be able to be more explicit with what they want. Uh, because if they're just showing you an event over and over again, and you're just reliving an event over and over again, 
um, it's possible that they're not convinced that you understand the event, so they can't move to the, Next the, thing. the, the question. Sure. You know, they right. can't they can't they can't get to the point at which they are uh, highlighting yeah. what they want. Uh, recurring dreams are, and and this it doesn't even have to be supernatural. Oftentimes, recurring dreams are about a condition that is that is pressing into your life. So if you have a stress or something that is significant to the moment that you're having recurring dreams, it is about acknowledging and, and understanding, comprehending mm-hmm. what it is. Um, because even the act of recognizing it and saying, oh, that is why I'm having this recurring nightmare, this, this thing. Once you acknowledge that, oftentimes the nightmares go away, but you still have to deal with the thing that caused the nightmares. You have right. to yep. really address the fact that whatever stressor it was that, that started the, the, the nightmares, be it work-related or paranormal-related, um, identifying it is like a first step. Following through may, may require more work. Absolutely. All right. Awesome question. On to the next one. Burke Dirk underscore ask. Burke Dirk. I think they've asked they before have. and we've yep. said. Burke Burk Dirk. I just found out the airport in Savannah has graves built in the <laughs> yes. runway. Yes, That's it right. does. Of course, y'all knew that. Uh, it's one well, of my favorite little amazing. tidbits. Amazing. You can see it coming in. Yep. What? It's the most yeah. on-brand thing for Savannah ever. Yeah. Wait, just wait. You, what? Yes. Yeah, you can see it going in? Yeah. yeah. Are, are literally. I'm, going to, I'm actually going to be at the airport uh, filming. They tonight. don't let you over there. No, you won't go um, uh, because it's takeoff and land. Uh, well, just go online. hunting binoculars. They're not standing. They're on the. Oh. They're flat. Yeah, the it's built. Oh. It, finish the question, and we'll yeah. explain. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> I just found out that uh, the airport in Savannah has graves built in the runway on brand for the city. Yes, it <laughs> My is. mind thinks how disrespectful. How did that happen? So it's actually really interesting. Um, it's the opposite of disrespectful. It is. Believe it's, it or not, <laughs> it's actually what the family wanted. Um, so basically, where the airport is built, it was built next to an old farm. Um, and basically what happened was is the farm had a few graves on the property, probably a family. Six, I think. Yeah. More than like, I think it was family members. Yep. And so the airport wanted to expand at one point, but it would have um, basically had to remove those graves. But the family did not want to dig up the graves at all. So what they agreed to is to lay the headstones into the um, runway. into the runway. So it's literally... Runway pavement and then headstone. And um, interestingly, with those particular graves, there have been pilots that have flown into Savannah who see people standing at the end of the runway and they think that somebody's standing there. Oh, no, really? Yeah. What? Yeah, and then when they land, there's nobody that was there or injured or anything like that. Yeah, I want to say that there are... Because the two on the runway... Uh, because they they did move a lot of the, uh, mm-hmm. of the graves to Bonaventure, I believe, and so when they were um, when they were what mm-hmm. when wow. they when when they were moving them, uh, I want to say it's a married couple. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they couldn't get the permissions to move the bodies, so they they came to this no way this, this uh, agreement solution, and it's solution. on SavannahAirport.com. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, but they will not let you over there. Wow. Uh, yeah, because and it I want to say there are a couple of bodies still off of the runway, yeah. equally, you know, mm-hmm. 
memorialized in the same they way. Won't let you over um, there. So how does the family well, it's, visit? It's, it's 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 very dangerous. It's, it's, I mean, it's, I know you'd be in grave danger if you did go over there. Uh, but, oh, oh. But, uh-huh. wink, wink, nod, but, nod. Oh, but, oh, oh. <laughs> This is why they listen. No, but, but yeah, that's it. Um, no, how does the family like mourn? They don't. They don't. I mean, okay. these, I these mean, graves dope. are <laughs> these graves are really old, Jay. So yeah. it's not like they're yeah, no flowers. Generations ago, yeah. nobody would bring wow. flowers anyway. But uh, they are maintained better than most graves because they are yeah. part of a working <laughs> runway. Right. right. Yeah. So you know they they're they're well taken care of. But, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. um. I, I could see why you would think it's disrespectful because, listen, Savannah does not have a great track record <laughs> of being respectful to our graves. But Mm-mm. these... Um, the fact that they, they went through this trouble yeah. right. to, to honor the wishes and, and, to, and to not... Just um, be just, like just bulldoze over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They could have just run the, the, the runway right over those graves and been like, meh. Right. <laughs> Which, uh, Abercorn Street. <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, so. like all of the downtown yeah. area of Savannah. Um, but yeah, it's a. It does say. I'm really surprised, actually, that you know about that uh, because not even a lot of Savannians know about the the runway. Well, if you're if you're yeah. if, 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 if you like spooky stories, that's a good one. Yeah, that's and really it's on the Savannah Airport. Yeah. It is. Uh, you it's know, not uh, hidden website. information. Yeah. No, 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 no one, no one hides it. Um, and but, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a warmer story than you would think because mm-hmm. yeah. you would like to think, oh, that's dark. It's like no, it's not dark. They actually um, honored the wishes and 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 allowed the family members to. They're even at an them. angle. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's because you know um, I think runways have to be at the a specific you know well, no, the, trajectory. The, they're at an angle. No, that's what I'm saying. The, oh. is the bodies, you know, <laughs> yeah, they didn't lift. They didn't take the bodies out. Uh, okay. They're exactly where they were. Okay. They didn't dig them up. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. They just put slabs on top of them wow. and laid the headstones. Yeah, laid the headstones right where they were. Okay. All righty. That is a wild fun Savannah fact. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely not you know a plain fact. It's. Oh my god. Yeah. There you go. Yep. You open the door for Pun Master J. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. This is the YouTube comment of the week and also a question. (laughs) A question? Together. All right. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Catherine Short, with two T's at the end, said, on our episode, disturbing phone calls, dead animals in the walls, and more nightmare news. I live in Camborne, Cornwall, in England. My house is over 200 years old, and when cleaning and renovating my Inglenook fireplace, we found a mummified cat in an old uh, tin ring. Just, yeah. just English things. Lovely. Cornwall is known for its witchy Celtic past, and tin is what the mines were dug for here. Hence the saying, wherever a mine is a Cornishman will be around. 
we moved it. Uh, we moved it, and now where we had no issues with ghosts, etc., we now have noticed lights going on and off, things moving and disappearing, a very dark feeling in the house where there wasn't previously. Should I put this back? I've lived here for four years with nothing. It's been it's a big granite building, and thought it may have a. Uh, may have been a little issue with the stone maybe repeating things going on it was it's just strange that it's began since this mummified cat put it back put it back put it back put it back yeah um what that sounds like to me is uh probably a practitioner's familiar um that they mummified in uh, a ritualistic way and that was where it was kept uh, because obviously back in the, the older days, witchcraft was not acceptable by any regards. So you could not exactly um, do a big grand ritual for your uh, familiar outside. So you do it inside, keep it somewhere where people are not going to find it. And if um, you know they're leaving an object as an offering or an attachment to the familiar, if you will, it sounds like you disrupted the the ritual, if you will, or the spell, the uh, internment. Um, so just just put the cat back um, because a witch is familiar. Or even just the ring, or just the ring too. I would I would put the cat back yeah. as well. But um, a witch is familiar is a very special thing, and a lot of people take it very very seriously, especially in Celtic beliefs. Uh, so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch the cat. Yeah. Okay. And given the the proximity of those two things, it is likely that the cat was set to protect something. Mm-hmm. Something was going on to begin with. So you know that m- there might have been something going on in the position, and they are using this very specific um, protection. You know, rings are, are, are very, very protective, protective and, and used in protective uh, spells. So the idea of, of the mummified cat and, uh, you know, even in the, in the sense of a cat that passed away and you, and you put them somewhere and with a ring, it does sound to me seemingly that you're dealing with uh, an understanding of the area. Like there's mm-hmm. something there. We need, we need a spiritual protector. Cats are... Very protective. Very famous for for having ties. You know, they spend more time in the uh, veil than they do in the real world. So, yeah, I could see I could see that being a situation where there may have been something there before, and the only thing that kept it from bothering you was the cat in the ring. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, moral of the story: put it back. Put it back. Put, put it back. back. And back. that's that's always the moral of any story. If you yeah, find don't touch it. <laughs> if you find don't something weird in your walls. Leave it be. Just leave it be. Um, a friend who found uh, a little, uh, like, carved fetus, human fetus in, in her wall. I was like, he'll just put it back. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but mm-hmm. let's, 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 let's play it safe and <laughs> just put just it back. Carved just fetus. Interesting. It was in her wall, too, because she was putting in an outlet. I, like, had a that's cut crazy. in, and it was like a little, like, yeah. And it was very creepy looking. Yeah, a lot of people find witches jars oftentimes oh, yeah. sure. in their walls, and they look. Sure, there's ho- a few in our walls. 
Mm, no, I no pro- from you. Um, is, no, is the oh. joke. <laughs> I wouldn't say even if there was, but you find <laughs> those buried in uh, along the corners of the house. Usually, right. at the at the corners of the house, um, you can find them. I've I've seen people till up mm-hmm. jars and be like, ah, I don't know what that is. Bring tank, clang, clang, tank, tank, and then and then the house is on fire. They look horrifying. Um, they really do, but they are simply a protective spell. It's a very intense protective spell. But again, that's another thing that that's a good example of don't touch it right. because it's probably there for your best interest to just leave it be. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Here we go. Next question. This comes from Taste E96. I have a quick question. I know that it can be common for clocks to stop at the time of death. I, however, have a cousin who had an experience where his watch stopped at the time of death of our grandmother before she actually died. Is this something y'all have ever heard of before? That's fascinating. It is very fascinating. I have definitely heard of clocks stopping when people died. But my question is, do you mean like... The day before at that time? Do you mean at the 12-hour mark before that time? Do you mean his watch was actually fast and it stopped and then she died at that time? I have a lot of questions about... What was going on with the clock. What was happening? Because if it was a question of like, it was the day before at, you know, four in the afternoon and you look at your watch, you say, oh, it stopped. And then the next day at four in the afternoon, grandma dies. That's very interesting. Um, But because I don't have that information, all I can really say is... uh, our our method of measuring time is is this weird fabrication that we came up with, and it becomes an obsessive point of our existence. And when we die, uh, we stamp out the idea of time. Um, one of the hardest things for people to really grasp is the notion or idea that when we die and we become our spiritual form, time no longer means anything. Time is a a construct of this reality. When you die, you may have access to yesterday, to tomorrow. You may have access to all the yesterdays that ever were and all the tomorrows that will be. We don't know. But the notion that we uh, affect the, the equipment that measures time when we die, that makes sense in a lot of ways because we are literally leaving the plane at which mm-hmm. time matters. And, I mean, it's also a pretty interesting concept that a lot of people used to stop clocks um, before people died. Um, It was, like, a part of the ritual of, like, cover all the mirrors, stop the clocks, things like that. And it's almost like a way to, like, not rush somebody to die. Um, So maybe it was a spirit around grandma or something that was, like, you know. Give her all the time she needs. Right, exactly. Um, Especially if it was, like, maybe a... A family member who was alive, especially during the Victorian era when they were really intense about death rituals and things like that, Um, you know, where they're like, hey, y'all didn't do the, you didn't do what you're supposed to do, cover the mirrors and stuff like that. So maybe it could have been something of that nature. I'm really thinking out of the box because, like Chris said, we don't have exactly the parameters of when the time was stopping and things like that. But my feeling is that it was a spirit around the uh, soon-to-be deceased because it's really common when people are going to pass that they 
oftentimes have spirits start to show up around them that are associated with them. It's very, very common. What, 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 what's happening? It's weird. What? So while we give this podcast, we're sitting at this table that has a very abstract design, design. on it. And every now and then I get a very clear indication of a face. Um, and for some reason today, the face is smiling. Oh, and I do not recall it smiling. So I'm taking a picture of it so that in future days, if it looks like it has a different expression, but um, it does now look like a woman smiling to me. Where? Which? Do you see the smile? Oh, face. Oh, hair. Yeah this this table uh, this table came from Tampa, Florida. Yeah. yeah, mom found this table. So also a good thing to note about JT's mother, um, she is a big fan of buying things from people who have recently passed. Um, yeah. So not out of the realm of possibility that this is a dead person's table. Um, as is most of the furniture in this space, it yep. is mostly antique. So interesting. I don't spend, so this typically is covered, so I don't spend a lot of time staring at it, but that is really weird. It's strange because the first time I saw it, I didn't notice that it was smiling. And it very well could have been. But today it just seems very smiley to me. It's happy to smirky, see you. Smirky smile. All right. On to the next question. Mackerel Smith underscore PJ asks, what do you think is the scariest Southern story? Oh, gosh. <sighs> the scariest. Scariest. That's tricky because there's a lot of stories to rack through in the brain. There really is. Um, hmm. Oof. Oof, oof. That's the entire South? So, you know, yeah. we're getting all the way to New, New Orleans. And yeah, all the way down to said. Tampa. And yeah, right. All the way up to Virginia, maybe. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a lot of stories and cataloging them as scariest that's difficult because well have you ever been told of a story that just was like holy crap that's like nonsensically scary and it happened in the south i i don't know if he's talking about like southern gothic well, uh, the problem is i'm cataloging thousands upon thousands of stories yes <laughs> and they all fit into kind of a a weird sort of you know, they've been hammered down by me. So I'm like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of scary stories. There's, um, you know, uh, there's a central asylum in, in, in Georgia. There's, you know, um, all around New Orleans, you can find really scary and terrifying stories uh, up and down Florida. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're dealing with all kinds of, of murder, mayhem, horror, serial killers. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's like, what decade are we looking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, you've stumped us in a lot of ways. No, no, no. It's, 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 yeah. it's a valid question. It's a good question. Um, it's such a broad place. Yeah. You know, because there are personal experiences where I'm like, oh, well, you know, I think I saw the devil once. I think I, uh, I went to the witch's graveyard. I've been to, you know, these places that, that affect me very, very directly. Mm -hmm. Um are those the most terrifying stories? I'm not sure. You know, that, 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 that raises a lot of questions. Uh, that has this woman of Statesboro. Um, mm. The Bell Witch. The Bell well, Witch I mean, is Bell horrifying. Bell Witch is, is a horrifying story. 
you stump Chris. Well, it, 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 it's just it's just a lot. It's it's yeah. just a lot to go through. And uh, I tell you what, what we can do is in the future do like a ten scariest top ten scariest okay. stories. Yeah, that's top a good idea. Uh, because okay. uh, being put on the spot like this, uh, it all flattens out. Yeah, it does. You know, and, like, and I like, remember oh, nothing. I, I, now. I can think of sure. uh, oh that was a, well, well. What about this story? What about you know because. Um, there are classic like urban legend stories that people tell like red eyes people tell the red yeah. eyes story about, and there's a black dog and there's all these things like okay those are scary stories but they're also commonly understood to be folklore mm-hmm. right um, and, and then you know uh, the plat eye is a strangely terrifying horrifying horrifying thing. thing but also in no way uh, connective to individual stories because you hear the plat eye stories through traditional storytelling more than personal encounters right um we do hear a lot of personal encounters with the hag Mm -hmm. uh, but the hag is surprisingly much like many stories all across the world and so it becomes again flattened by comparison Mm -hmm. sure sure. all of a sudden you're like you know what the hag is a lot like you know the succubi of this uh, or the, the creature of that or you know there there are so many very some and you know the fact that there are similar stories all around the world doesn't lessen the fear, but it does create a, oh, you know what? I think this phenomena is mm-hmm. widespread. Mm-hmm. So um, great question. Just so- Give us a few weeks to- yeah, I was going to say, but, but by volume, it's like, ah, oh, there's so many good stories. So, you know, what, what story? There's a, there's a uh, in Hinesville, Georgia, a, I think he was a captain in the army, uh, killed his wife and then himself. And uh, there's a stretch of, I think it's Highway 82 now, um, there's a stretch of highway where people see the woman in her nightgown running and screaming down the highway. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, she's a woman in white. Mm. But people are like, no, no, she's the woman running from her husband as he shoots her. Oh. And it's like, what? And they're like, yeah, you know, a lot of people after the event saw her and recognized her, knew who she was. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's really creepy. So, you know, there's like stretches of road around here that have crazy stories. Um, yeah, I mean, there's eh. horrible murders. Uh, murders, yeah. It, even in Savannah, the you, Cottonvale Road That's what, ones. yes. Mm-hmm. God, we're going to do that story. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot to put in one. And we'll discuss it in our top 10, but, but, yeah. but summarize. Okay. So basically, um, in 1982, I'm, yeah, it is I, I believe it's is, um, there's a road outside of the historic district of Savannah called Cottonvale road. It's over off of Ogeechee. Um, and basically this woman in the middle of the day, um, there is a, uh, work release program that would clean the ditches around Cottonvale Road um, from the local uh, prison. And so this guy, he had been uh, working cleaning the ditch and he decided, you know, I'm going to just go uh, absolutely obliterate someone. And so he broke into this woman's house and he nearly beheaded her. Um, and I won't get into the gory details in this episode because we have children who listen to this. Uh, but in the top 10 video, we can definitely, we can do the deep dive, but he, uh, seriously injured her in that way. He beat her. He, uh, sexually assaulted her. Um, and her 14 year old daughter came from home from school and found her mother in her bedroom um, mm-hmm. with basically no head. And, um, yeah, so the guy 
uh, interestingly enough, he is uh, he was given life in prison twice, I believe, uh, because this was not the first time he ever yeah. assaulted someone. Um, but he was given life in prison because they did not want the daughter to have to uh, give a witness statement uh, that would have given him the death penalty. But um, and in 2016 or 2015 or so, they had to reconsider uh, whether or not they would let him out on parole, but they did not. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, but he is a living monster, uh, truly. Uh, yeah. Just the way, and he went back to work covered in blood and apparently showed no remorse for what he did. He's never showed any remorse. He has never showed any remorse, uh, which is just horrifying. Um, But you see that a lot with serial killers. You know, it's that psychopathy that just is almost inhuman. Yeah. uh, That's horrifying. Let's do a, instead of including that in the top 10, let's do a pair junkie exclusive on that. On the Cottondale Road. And we can even go to the location because it's, it's right down on Ogeechee. Yeah. So I think that that's worth a pair of junkies lose advantage. Just, you know, tell her story and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're also going to do a deep dive again into the Gribble House murders. Cause we did a mm. episode on the Gribble House yeah. murders, but we didn't go fully into it. Right. I have found a lot more information since then. Well, yeah. it's amazing because the Gribble House event, uh, adventure, the Gribble House uh, murders, the Gribble House adventure, uh, Encompass so many elements. You know, um, there is a terrible racial component to it. There's oh a gosh. terrible it's... historic component to it. There is corruption. There is, you know, there's so many things going on. And it's it's surprising that it wasn't more of a media circus. Yeah. And yeah. that is just Savannah's uh, credit in a lot of ways that, well, and also detriment that Savannah's very closed about its tragedies, very mm-hmm. closed mm-hmm. about the horrors that have happened here. Yep. And it's only been like in the last 30 years that people really talk about how messed up everything is, mm-hmm. you know, how they were able to keep, you know, terrible murders a secret, how they were able to not press, you know, um, if you live in Savannah, you've heard of the Jivens gang mm-hmm. and you understand the Jivens gang, but the Jivens gang would be a national, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, situation on national news had we you know sounded the alarms mm-hmm. and, and all the bells and whistles because it was it was it was a trying time for the community so I think that it's fascinating that uh, Savannah's always been able to put a cap on like mm-hmm. the national media attention even in the 1800s even well, you know in in the case of the Gribble House too the the way that J.C. Hunter got off Ugh. is just absolutely appalling. And that that's commentary on the entire state of Georgia in the early 1900s because it was not just a Savannah thing. No. That no, was no, no. all the way out into Atlanta yep. that they were yep, um, yep. Corrobor- corroborating on yep. this exactly. particular yeah, yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. And, and, and to think that this is just the case that we know about um, – you know, like right now we're embroiled uh, because of South Carolina, the Alec Murdoch mm-hmm. case. We only know the one that came to light. That system obviously benefits so many people. So there must be many more stories, many horrible stories, many unaccounted for deaths, many unsolved mysteries right. that are basically covered up because of a network of people 
standing shoulder to shoulder and saying, nope, I vouch for you. Nope, yep. uh, I got you back. Well, in that whole community with the, the Murdoch case, that is just so messy. And, and no offense to anybody who lives in Hampton County, um, but like I have a friend who lives out there and she's not from Hampton County originally, so she does not care. Um, <laughs> but she gives me all the nitty gritty of what it's like living in that county. And it is just appalling how much just that hundred years of the Murdaws being yeah, open in, corruption mm-hmm. in charge that has instilled fear into generations of families um, who are still, even now that Alec Murdaugh has been convicted and is put away, people are still that afraid. That network is still in place mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. Also, all of this came from a question of, you know, what's the scariest story of the South? We have a lot. So um, we should move on, and we will we will return to this excellent question, and we will, uh, you know, keep an ear out for a podcast that is dedicated to, to scary to stories. The, of the, the, the scary. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, this is the last one. This is uh, Changeling03 asks, are spirits really more active at Halloween? <laughs> okay, so the belief is is that um, the veil is the thinnest um, during Samhain, which is um, you know Halloween, and but it also has its counterpart, right. the spring equinox, which exactly. when it is, the veil is the thinnest. That's which surprisingly, the th- there's a big celebration about a resurrection. Mm-hmm. Somebody coming back from the dead is a big part of that period of time. Yeah, um, and it, it, the veil in question is about the cycles of life and death, which are represented in seasons. Right. We absolutely know that the autumnal uh, equinox is bringing us into the season of a death. season of death. Um, and, and so the veil is, it, it's not even a question of thinner as much as it is how much attention we pay to mm-hmm. the oncoming winter. And the oncoming winter for... Most of human experience, winter was something you survived. Mm-hmm. Winter was something sure. harsh and difficult, and many of the traditions of going into the winter were about death. And so our attention, our thoughts, our, our pleas to the God, our, you know, everything right. that we do in that period of time is get us through the winter, and then comes spring, where sure. we celebrate that it's all coming back, that, it, right. that we made it. So, you know, that's kind of why many people assume the darkness of the fall and the lightness of the spring. But the truth of the matter is absolutely, uh, those times we are more aware of our mortality, mm-hmm. of, of, of the environment's mortality, <laughs> of all of these things. And so, um, and so yeah, we are more open to ghost stories. We're more right. open yeah. to thinking about death. When you turn on the TV, it's it's like, you know, every single TV channel has 30 days of Halloween. Yeah, there you it's go. true. Right, we're opening the door. Well, yeah. And we, we honor different entities during both seasons. Because sure. technically, 
The uh, a lot of people like to think that Samhain's the honoring of the recently deceased or ancestors or things like that, and then spring equinox you bring in the Fae. That's like known as the Fae's holiday. Sure. Um, sure. But mind you, both holidays are steeped in. Uh, beliefs that you should stay inside. Yes. <laughs> you should not go out. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why they would carve turnips and root vegetables to scare away the entities saying, get away from me. Same thing with, um, you know. Wait, so jack lanterns are like scarecrows? Basically. Basically. Yeah. What? Yeah, that was the no. point. It's supposed to scare off the entities. So when you make like a sweet jack lantern, you're you're basically not doing it right. Well, have you ever seen the before jack lanterns were ever a thing? They would carve turnips. Have you ever seen a carved turnip? It's horrifying it's looking. It? It's yeah. so freaky but looking. But you also have to remember is that you you light a fire in it. Exactly, um, giving and, and, it life. And fire is almost always a a ward, um, and it, because it brings light, it brings heat. It it, it is it, mm-hmm. it, it creates a an area an area of safety in our minds and in our hearts. You put a fire inside of a face, no matter how cute it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a flaming face. Yeah, um, a flaming and, head almost. And that's the you know the 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 layover of dressing like monsters and ghouls and scary oh, things yeah. is to participate in this notion of stay away. This mm-hmm. place is scary. You know, stay away. Exactly. You know, I'm going to be more scary than the scary thing that's coming. But. The belief with spring equinox was always to just stay inside and clean and rid yourself of all the clutter. Sure. And it's also an activity to keep you away from the fae. Because if you go outside... Oh, here we go. I'm not kidding. Yeah, fae daddy. Fae daddy has arrived. I'm just saying. It is literally known as the fae's holiday is spring equinox. Because right. that's when they're coming out of their little hobbit holes. Or not right. hobbits, but you know. Fae holes. Their little fae holes. <laughs> uh, that just sounds so dirty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shut your fae hole. JT just ruins everything with the Fae, honestly. I do, I do. But um, I feel like they would love that. But oh yeah, yeah sure, sure. But, <laughs> you know, in spring equinox is also a season of uh, you know, you just feel the, this desire to rid yourself and lighten yourself right. of all well, the things that Well, everything's coming you, to life. You're shedding exactly. the winter fat and the winter coat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, if you've ever wondered why um, in the spring, life spring cleaning is a thing that was literally an activity that was meant to keep you preoccupied during the spring equinox so you didn't go outside because the Fae wants you to come outside. It's so nice and delightful outside <laughs> right now. Us. Join us. Bring us fairy cakes and mm. have a picnic with us. Anyways, but, you know, uh, if you want to hear more about the Fae, you can listen to our Fae episode. But True. <laughs> um, I'm sure there'll be more Fae episodes in the future. But the whole <laughs> point of that question, Samhain, Halloween, um, very thin time of the year, but... It has its counterpart. Everything right. always has its lighter and darker counterpart. So. And it's, it is. It's literally the turning of the tide. Yeah. And so naturally there's going to be more energy available. You know, you're turning the tide from a season of life to a season of death, and then you're turning the tide from a season of death to a season of life. Those are going to be big energy moments. Yes. So there you go. Um, and that is going to wrap up today's Q&A. If you guys have any questions that we did not answer today, uh, definitely utilize the Q&A button on our TikTok profile under Haunted City Podcasts. If you don't have TikTok, that is a-okay. Just send it to our ghost mail um, with the subject questions so that we can decipher it between the ghost mail stories and things like that. But uh, that is ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com. But with that, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all.